0: That's a huge way to cut on um, savings for a company that still provides a pension. That's usually the first thing they cut. They'll cut any inflation riders or COLA uh, cost of living adjustment. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Brian Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the windup and the
1: delivery. Well, we're talking all about pensions today on Perfect Game Retirement. It's a, a big piece of the income uh, stream for many people in retirement, but pensions, are they going to be around for, for much longer? Who knows? They continue to fade away. We're going to talk about pensions, some of the planning items that go along with pensions. How do you replace that? Um, if you do, should you go lump sum or should you take the monthly payments if that option becomes available? We'll go through a number of those things today on the show. I have a mailbag question we're going to get to as well. But Ryan, I want to lead things off today with a headline because I think you know, obviously a lot of the news so far this year has been that next stimulus package. When is it coming? Well, it finally got pushed through in middle March, early March. And, you know, part of the conversation around that has been this minimum wage, right? There's been plenty of discussions about a $15 minimum wage across the board, and they seem to continue to pick up a little bit more momentum, more and more each, you know, week, month as we move forward. How do you think something like that's going to impact the economy if it actually happens?
0: Yeah, I mean it's a great talking point. I understand there definitely with any decision there are pros and cons. And you're right, as we're recording this, they're talking about the third round of stimulus, which looks it's going to go through. But it looks like minimum wage was kind of carved out and left out of that. But I don't think it's gone away. Uh, it'll probably resurface. But uh, $15 minimum wage. I mean, there's already some states obviously that have a, a higher minimum wage. It depends on cost of living of the state that you're in, but that just means those states are probably going to gravitate even higher than $15 per hour. But I've read a lot on this. Uh, There's uh, studies that show that yes, it obviously gives people more purchasing power. It does. Um, In the state of Georgia, that almost doubles the minimum wage from what we are now. It's not quite double, but it's close. And, if you multiply that by across America, there's, there's going to be people who keep their jobs. They're going to be able to spend more money. Well, that's where they're saying, okay, GDP could be increased by a certain percentage if that minimum wage does, goes up. Obviously, on the flip side, which you don't, need a, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know this, that un- unemployment is going to increase. I mean, it just does. I'm a small business owner. So when you have to pay all of a sudden your employees more now, obviously we're very small uh, as far as numbers of people, but think about these large corporations that pay a lot of high school kids or college age kids that minimum wage job. I mean, I was just at Disney uh, last week on a business trip where we got to peek behind the curtain, if you will. Of Disney and their processes and how they do things and what makes them so successful but most of the people in that park who are operating those rides are minimum wage employees now I mean they didn't Disney did not specify how much they make but the presenter uh, who used to work for Disney mentioned that that's what most of them make in there now they have a lot of perks and you know that, that go with the job but as far as a paycheck goes they're so multiply <laughs> multiply that. Now they have roughly 80,000 workers. I don't know what percentage of them are on minimum wage, but I would venture to say a lot. And so that's going to increase. I mean, payroll is a company's usually is the company's biggest expense. And so when you increase that, there is a bottom line, a business is a business and they want to make a profit. And if they're not making profits anymore, they have to make decisions. And usually payroll is one of those tough decisions that they have to make because they have to be profitable to stay in business. If not, they go away. So again, this, this is not like earth shattering information, but there is going to be a correction from an employment standpoint. There's going to be more automation. We've already seen that. We've already seen that going into fast food restaurants and uh, grocery stores and movie theaters. I mean, most of this stuff is is automated. There's very there's less and less people to do these jobs that we had before, because I think companies see it. They they the technology is available, but they see that this is coming down the pike. Whether it's this year, next year, minimum wage is going to go up sometime soon, and they're going to have to make adjustments to that. And so there's some good points and bad points. Again, I understand they're they're wanting to increase it to take care of people, but it's gonna increase unemployment and that's a fact. I mean, that's just gonna happen. So it's gonna have some some good points and bad just like anything else. I I get stimulus packages. Help some people, but it's just so much government spending. There's unintended consequences to these things. There's, there's all, there always is. There's unintended consequences to healthcare. Um, Obamacare passing, obviously rates went really, really high. Uh, so there's unintended consequences. They usually mean well, but we'll see what the ramifications are from a long-term perspective.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a polarizing conversation, and everyone seems to have an opinion on it. So we'll see how it all plays out, and something will follow, and something obviously too that will maybe affect your financial planning down the road. So. You know, always lean on your professional that you work with to help you with that. If you haven't joined us for the first time on this show, and we're about to jump into our main topic today. You can find everything online at blackoakam.com. All of our podcasts that we've done are archived right there on the website that Ryan has. But also while you're on there, on the front, you'll see the Retirement Rescue uh, Toolkit. Uh, it's about taxes, how to defuse that ticking tax time bomb but uh, the great thing is you can go and request that anytime and Ryan'll get it out to you. It's a great tool, great resource, get you started in 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 thinking about tax planning, which is always something we we uh prioritize and emphasize here on the show. But let's talk pensions, the status of the American pension plan because it seems like to me, you know, for you know, pension plans are truly disappearing. I actually had a pension at one job that I that I left that I think about 3 years after I started at Ryan, like the company said, "Okay, here's the uh the grandfathered end date. If you start working here after this point, no more mm-hmm. pension. So there are still some people. So I had a little bitty taste of it. It's a very small pension, and won't be much of my income later in life. But I could see how that could be such a huge factor for some people. You know, when they're when they're talking about this, this is a pretty big conversation.
0: Yeah, it is. It's the landscape has changed uh, immensely, and obviously there's a ton of factors that have gone into pensions changing, going away. And and the 401k is kind of one of those reasons. Uh, people living longer is the biggest reason, actually, speaking, people living longer. Now, the average uh, lifespan has actually ticked down just a little bit. It, it, it continued to go up for a long period of time. And just recently, it's actually gone backwards a little bit. But still, people are still living longer than they have been before. And again, working for one company for 30, 40 years of their lives just doesn't happen as much anymore. And so people didn't have to uh, really save a whole lot. They saved some, but they knew they had this glorious pension at the at the end of the rainbow, if you will, and that continued on with the rest of their lives and the rest of the lives of their their spouse as well. So those have gone away. Uh, there are some that are still out there. I mean, there are some several um, clients that we work with that have pensions. I mean, my dad was a was a Southern Company guy, worked for Georgia Power. He's got a great pension. Uh, those people still they still out there um, Bose is another company that still has some now I think they've made some modifications over time me being a former teacher uh, in, in state of Georgia is called TRS that's a great pension some individual counties have pensions so um, mostly it's government related there's not a lot of private sector ones out there anymore uh, a- the AT;T clients that we work with they they get offered a lump sum and more times than not it usually makes sense to do the lump sum rollover but again that's a case-by-case basis so We don't want to give blanket advice to everybody, but sometimes companies, if they did offer a pension, they will offer a lump sum. So they would rather pay you a big lump sum and get off the hook, if you will, from a long-term perspective. They just don't, they want to move that balance sheet. And so they'll pay you out to roll it over to an IRA. And then basically you control it from there. You control the, Investments, you control the income that you get out of it. So it's it's definitely changed uh, a lot. So more is put on the individual. So I do, I mean, I, long-term, I do think there's going to be a retirement issue for people. They're just going to have to be working longer because people still just don't save enough to really create that that income that they they want to. And that's a blanket statement. I, I do say that, but there I, I come across it. I see it with the phone calls that we take from the Ramsey listeners. Some people do a great job. Some people are late to the game and they're trying to make up, but a lot of times people don't save enough to create the income and the lifestyle that they want.
1: All right, so you touched on a couple of things that I want to get into a little bit deeper here on the, on the pension discussion. So you you mentioned um, the lump sum versus the monthly payment. So I want to let's just go ahead and get to that here because I think that's a I think a realistic. Uh, option and decision that many people are going to have to face, right? Uh, you know, whenever it is, it seems like it's becoming more and more common, as you pointed out. That companies will say, "Okay, you know, here's here's your your option. Do you want the the buyout? Let's go ahead and get it off the hook now, get it off the books, or do you want the monthly payment?" So, what are some of the considerations you're making, and and how do you advise clients that are facing that?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, great point. That's one of the biggest things that we do when we work with people that have that that have that option And, and there is a calculation involved. I mean, if people want to be nerds like me and crunch numbers and go, okay, if we take this lump sum and factor in a certain rate of return and, you know, factor in how much income we're going to take out of it and does it make sense? So there's calculations that you can base that pension on. Now some, some pensions don't give the offer of, is it joint and survivor or is it just a single life? Single life just covers that worker. That's it. So that, that's dangerous for your spouse, especially if you're married. Your spouse, that's dangerous because then that pension goes away. Most of them offer some kind of either, you know, 50% payout, 75%. Uh, joint and full is, is the best. Now, actuarially speaking, you take the biggest hit uh, from a dollar amount on a monthly basis, but it continues on with you and your spouse. So it covers both lives, which is great. Uh, but... It depends on what other savings that you do have out there. But when you take, when they give you that lump sum offer, there's a calculation you can factor in. Now it's pretty complex because you factor in inflation and rates of return and all that kind of stuff. But you look at the lump sum and like I said, factor in a uh, rate of return, factor in what kind of income that the pension would give you. And you can figure out, okay, If my average rate of return is X, then that will create Y, the income that I need. And if it's a low rate of return that you were having to quote unquote count on to create that income, a lot of times it makes sense to to roll that over to an IRA because you control it. So if you die early, then that money just rolls over to your spouse's IRA account because you want to roll lump sum pension money over to an IRA. That way way it's not a taxable event when you roll that over to an IRA, but it's yours, you control it. And then if your spouse passes away, then it's a legacy thing because most pensions don't pass on beyond the husband and wife. They don't go beyond that. So kids usually don't receive that pension. Now there's some nuances that can, you know, dollar amounts can pass on if you haven't exhausted the dollar amount in the pension fund that you put in. Anyway, so there's some nuances there, but generally speaking, husband and wife pass away, they're gone. It doesn't pass on to the kids generally. Um, So there's nothing from a legacy standpoint to pass on. But if it's in that IRA, they can pass that on to their kids or whoever they designate as their, as their beneficiary. So there are some calculations involved, but then you also take the risk. I mean, if you say, yep, I want the pension then there's a little bit of a risk that that pension fund is not um, as solvent as you think it is. It may not have enough money to cover its obligations. So there are pensions that have gone away, aka California, Illinois. There's some states that those pensions have dried up. Uh, Now, most states have a um, kind of pension guarantee, if you will, but it doesn't have all these bells and whistles and potential inflation kickers and all that kind of stuff. So it's usually not the benefit that you think it is. So you do take on a risk with that, but also if you roll it to an IRA, you take on market risk. Um, there, There's risk involved with that too. So that's where we really basically T chart it out and say, here's the pros, here's the cons, here's the reasons why people do it. Here's the pe- reasons why people don't do it. And so it's a pretty thorough process, but More times than not, when we do this analysis, it's either a no-brainer one way or the other. It's not like, oh, man, that's close. It's usually, oh, yeah, I would definitely want to roll this over. Or, "Uh, no, I'm keeping my pension because that pension is so good. Uh, And so me dealing with a lot of former principals and educators, usually the state pension, it's a no-brainer to do the state pension because it's funded so well and the benefit's so good. But I have seen other private sector that were the benefit to roll it over is a no brainer.
1: Gotcha. Makes a lot of sense. And again, case by case basis, like everything we talk about. So if you have that option, definitely get a strategy in place before you make a decision. But with pensions going away now, so let's talk about today's pre-retiree, right? Me and you and other people in kind of on our boat where we know, okay, we can't rely on a pension when we get to retirement for income. So how does this lack of the pension impact or change the planning that you're doing right now with people?
0: Yeah, it's it's a forced savings thing. You have to, people have to save. They have to save in their four hundred and one k. They have to at least save up to the match. I mean, again, ideally it's fifteen percent of your income. If you can't get to that, start somewhere. At least go up to whatever the match is at your work. Three percent, four percent, five percent, whatever that may be. Try to capture that because that obviously just adds a, more to the percentage of what you are saving. So it does force more on the individual and the family to save more. So it's, it's just more on the individual. So that's where it's a little bit, there's usually a lot of times there's a shortfall of what people save and what they have for savings before they get to retirement. And I feel like I'm okay to say this cause I used to be in the education system. There is a lack of teaching this stuff at the high school and college level. Uh, If you're not on, you know, a finance track, then you don't get a lot of this stuff. And all of a sudden, you get your first job and they give you your benefits package and they show you a 401k, health insurance, disability, short-term, long-term. You're like, what is all this stuff? I mean, it should be like a Life 101 class where they cover this stuff. Um, Now, I'm going to pat myself on my back for a second here, but Dave Ramsey created a high school curriculum and I taught personal finance stuff. And I still have some of my kids coming back. I say kids; they're like 30 years old now. But I have former students that I had that come back and reach out to me and go, "Yeah, I remember you talking about this. I didn't really understand it, but I, like now that I hear this stuff, it it kind of resonates with me." So there are programs out there, but it's not you know a blanket class that everybody should take, like you know math, English, social studies. It, I personally think it should be for everybody. So. It's a lot of ignorance, not stupidity. It's a lot of ignorance on a lot of people because they're just not given this stuff. Now there is some stupid things that people do along the way. We've all done that, but it it more is put on the individual. And really the only thing they have to count on is what they save and social security. And now social security is another conversation in itself. Some people think it's not going to be there. Some people think it's going to be a reduced benefit. Um, so, that's conversations that can be had. I think there'll be a benefit there for people. It's just how much is that benefit going to be? So we just don't have that guaranteed income that many generations before us have. So it's, it, we have to be more self-reliant.
1: Well, final thing I want to close out with here, discussion discussing pensions. Um, so you know, we know that we, you know, through this conversation, there's going to be people some people that have it, a lot of people that don't have a pension, but whether or not someone has an actual pension or, you know, you set up, you know, an income plan for them that they have these streams of income coming in much like a pension, how do you plan for inflation? How does that impact it? Because I guess a lot of time with these pensions, right? They don't do you get cost of living increases with these or they just stay the same for, you know, you know, forever.
0: That's a great point too because some do, some don't, and, and you definitely have to factor that in. So I'll go back to my previous example of uh teachers and educators uh, they the TRS system in the state of Georgia at least as of now they could change this but they have a 3% kicker every single year which is that's that's huge uh you don't hear wow that is great much of that anymore so they get a 1.5% increase every 6 months and so they they continue that on again could they change that yeah it used to be 4% now it's down to 3 it could be cut even more but we'll see so that yes my dad other end of the spectrum no does not they they say they could, but he's been retired for over 10 years and he hasn't gotten one since. So most of the time, most pensions, if they are, because that's a huge way to cut uh, on um, savings for a company that still provides a pension. they That's usually the first thing they cut uh, before they cut the pension or cut the amount. They'll cut any inflation riders or COLA uh, cost of living adjustment from that pension. So my dad has not gotten one. So his is fixed. So that's where uh, additional savings comes into play. So you have to have some kind of additional savings to increase for inflation. Uh, cause it's again, that, that if you get $50,000 a year coming in from a pension, $50,000 is very different 10 years from now. And if it's a fixed pension, you have to have, you have to, um, uh, things are just going to cost more. Now you can adjust your lifestyle to a certain degree, but you have to increase, um, with inflation, with other assets that you do have. Now, Social Security, uh, they don't guarantee an inflation kicker every single year or cost of living adjustment. A lot of times they do. But the problem with that is Medicare, usually the Medicare premiums increase and usually just chew up (laughs) that cost of living increase. So you don't like your bottom line, you don't really feel like you're seeing any increase uh, because it's Medicare is just so expensive. And And the law could have changed, so I could be wrong on this, but it it used to state that any cost of living adjustment to Social Security, the Medicare premiums could not supersede that. So if you get a cost of living adjustment, Medicare premiums aren't going to go above and beyond that. Again, I could be wrong on that, but the last I knew of that, they don't increase that. So it feels like your Social Security benefit just kind of stays the same, even though in October, I think it is each year, they're like, Oh, we're gonna have a cost of living of 2.5%. Like, yay, sweet. And then you don't see anything different <laughs> anything different because <laughs> Medicare premiums, but you got to factor it in, but it's got to come from other money that you saved along the way.
1: Well, very good, Ryan. I appreciate it. This has been a really interesting conversation on pensions because, you know, I, I, I even think in like 30 years, like the word pension is probably just going to be out of people's vocabulary, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's just not gonna be around anymore, but that's why you have to have a plan for how you're going to, get income in retirement, if it's not a pension, like maybe your parents or your grandparents were able to rely on, what is it going to be for you? So make sure you sit down with someone and work that out. Ryan's available. You can schedule your retirement coach 360 session online if you prefer blackoakam.com. That is a website to do that. But either way, got to have a plan. We talk about all the time, got to have a plan. All right, mailback question before we close things out. Uh, This one came in from Derek in Tampa. He says, my aunt died recently and left her house and some cash to me. I've never had a desire to buy a rental property before, but I'm considering keeping the house as a rental property now that this opportunity has fallen in my lap. Is that wise, or would I be better off to sell it and invest those proceeds?
0: Hmm. Well, Derek, it's a good question, but I think you kind of answered it yourself um, in the question yourself. If you've never had a desire, uh, and it, it depends on geography as well like if you're not anywhere close like the Tampa area that you're in if that house is nowhere close to you you probably don't want to be a long list, long distance landlord but maybe you want to try it for 6 months to a year and see how it goes a lot depends on the tenant that you have in there if you do rent that out a great tenant makes life easy but a horrible tenant you probably won't know part of it so i'm not against you uh trying it because passive income is great when you have real estate and and if as long as things are going smoothly you're going to have costs that are going to pop up so make sure you have a separate emergency fund for that to you know pay for hvac or a new roof or whatever that may be so have sinking funds for uh, that real estate but if you got that planned out and you receive a check every single month especially if that house is paid for and you get more passive income then Great, and that's that can be an appreciating asset. It's real estate's one of the best inflation hedges out there, and so if you uh, manage it and you enjoy doing it, so it's worth. If you're intrigued enough, uh, Derek, but you know, try it. But if if it's not a good experience, don't feel bad to to cut bait with it with it pretty quick, um, and just take those proceeds and yes, invest them. Don't go out and spend it. Um, you can spend some, but try to invest the, the rest of it so it can generate something for you for you later. So, um, you know, sorry about your aunt, but it sounds like she left you a, a blessing and a gift. So definitely take care of it. Appreciate that question. As always, we welcome your questions. Happy to answer
1: the best that we can based on the information you provide. But um, you can always reach out to us via the website, blackoakam.com. Or you can call Ryan if you prefer to do that as well. You can always uh, discuss things further with him based on what we talked about today on pensions or if you have any other financial questions, 470-508-0508. And please subscribe to the show, wherever it is you listen, whatever podcasting app you prefer to use. You can find us on all the major platforms. Please hit subscribe. We would greatly appreciate that as well. Ryan, uh, wrap this thing up. It's been a good episode, a lot of good information again, and uh, looking forward to catching up with you here again soon.
0: Yeah. Appreciate the time. And yeah, we'll see every, every time we do this, there's uh, some kind of new headline or something, something else going on. So one certainty has changed. So we'll see what that changes uh, this next month.
1: We're not, we're not keeping an eye out for a fourth stimulus package, are we? <laughs> oh, God, <every> <laughs> <laughs> if so, we'll be talking about it, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, man. Take care.
0: Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledden and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement.